Woohoo! Yes, it's Pentecost. One of my favorite days of the year. It's a major church festival. And today is the day where we kind of celebrate the church's birthday. It's a day where we remember that the church isn't just a bunch of people who like getting up, uh, up early on a Sunday morning to drink coffee, to chat to each other and sing a few really old songs. No, the church is God's people, the people who he sent his Holy Spirit on. And that thing, that that is what we remember at Pentecost, that he sent his Holy Spirit. So a little uh, thing for you to discuss where you are. Who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? Our reading today comes from Acts 2, and the context for this little passage is that um, 10 days or so previously, Jesus has ascended. Uh, he's left his disciples thinking, what next? We've been given this big mission to go and make disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth, and now Jesus has disappeared um, and um, we've just been told to go to Jerusalem and wait. And it says that they were praying constantly. And I can imagine they must have felt a pretty insecure, pretty uncertain. And I wonder if at times they were like, what's going on here? I wonder if they even felt hopeless. And it's into that, uh, that massive, that prayer meeting, which has been going on for a number of days, that this happens. And this is from Acts 2, starting at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like, a like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so what we have there is a picture of um, something that looks or seems to be like a, a giant flame coming into this room where the disciples and Jesus' followers are, so there would have been men and women there. And that flame seems to separate out. And this giant flame that represents God separates out and rests on each of the disciples. And so this is what we remember at Pentecost, that God himself comes, but he comes and rests and resides and lives in each of his followers. And when we see God represented as fire in, uh, in, in the Bible, um, what that normally means is that there's something good, fire's warming, it provides light, but also there's something powerful about fire. It burns stuff up. And so when we read about um, God being like fire in Malachi 3, he's described as the refiner's fire. His, his fire comes and purifies. When we read about how God is an all-consuming fire in Hebrews 12, what God consumes is all the bondage, all the brokenness, everything that holds his people back. He wants us refined. He wants us the best we can be. And so here's the great news for us this Pentecost. You don't need to be perfect. 
for God to come and reside with you. You don't need to be immaculate. You don't, don't need to get it, have it all sorted before God wants to have your company and wants to rest and live in your heart. Now, he loves you just as you are. He thinks you're awesome. He thinks you're great. In fact, he crafted and shaped you the way you are. But he loves us so much that he doesn't just leave us that way too. He wants us refined. He wants us free of the bondage that holds us back. He wants us empowered. He, he, he wants to unfold our original design. So we uh, become the people that we've been made to be, the people we were born to be. And we get a little glimpse of this as we follow our reading for today through. Um, this is how the passage continues. They've just been filled with the Spirit. And it says this, Now they were staying in Jerusalem. Now there was staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, that's of the, the, the wind rushing around, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and, part, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? And so after this, Peter gets up and he preaches this incredible sermon uh, where he's quoting Joel 2 and where it speaks about in the last days, God's spirit will poured out on all flesh, young, old, men, women. And that, that spirit will bring salvation. In fact, his little bit of Joel that he's quoting ends with, and those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's exactly what happens a little bit later on in the chapter. There's this huge crowd and it says that 3,000 people are added to the number of disciples that day. That as a response to Peter's spirit-empowered, spirit-inspired sermon, um, 3,000 new people start to follow Jesus. And we get this little picture here of as the Holy Spirit comes on those first followers of Jesus, it's like that unfolding happens in an accelerated way. Don't know if you've heard this idea of unfolding. It's language that's used for um, parents and particularly stay-at-home parents nowadays, that it's not just that you're a stay-at-home dad or a stay-at-home mum, but rather that your, your job, your calling is to unfold your children. And it gives voice to this idea that we've all got like an original design, something unique that God has knitted into us and that the role of a parent is to unfold that original design. But I think that's just like a foreshadowing, like a little picture of what the Holy Spirit is doing here in his church and wants to do in our lives, whether you're young, old, male, female, he wants to unfold you. He wants to give voice to the original design that he's put into you. So to help us illustrate that, I'm going to welcome an assistant. Let me go and get them. So to help me with my illustration today, 
I'd like to welcome the wonderful Sebastian. On you come, Seb. Now, Seb, are you happy to be wrapped up in cling film for the sake of this illustration? Yeah, yeah, okay. I think that's an, a positive. There's no, no um, child abuse going on here. Um, he's a willing volunteer. So um, here's Seb, lovely lad, just sat here, enjoying life, minding his own business. But as we all know, that in life, sometimes stuff just happens to us. It just, it's like it just gets hold of us. And I don't know, it's just sort of kind of, it, like it wraps us up. It sort of, it, it takes us, it grabs us. And it means that even though Seb is still Seb, he's like, he's like caught up in this stuff that's happened to him. So it might be something as small as um, his dad shouting at him because he's been naughty. I mean, I can't believe that would happen. Would that ever happen? Yep. Oh, um, it, it might be something as simple as that. It might be him trying to learn stuff at school, but feeling like he's not very good at learning. It might be um, friends being nice to him and then friends being mean to him. But all these things that happen, they create a sort of sense of bondage. They, they wrap us up and they stop us being the best we can be. Now, Seb is still Seb, even though he's wrapped in cling film. But I think the things that have happened to him, well, I think they're going to stop him enjoying and appreciating all of life. You know, appreciating the good things that there are for him to experience. So things like sweets, here represented. Now, Seb, I just want you to have a little go to see if you can get those sweets. I can't get them, please. Can I have those sweets, please? <laughs> um, well, if you can get them, you can have them. But he can't, and it's like he's wrapped up. He's wrapped up in the bondage, in the brokenness, in the pain of the things that have happened to him. Now, what the Holy Spirit does, the Holy Spirit in our lives come, comes and unfolds us. He, he opens us up so we can be free. And that unfolding, that unwrapping, can happen in two different ways, I think. Sometimes it happens like a big snip, and there's like instant freedom that comes. And um, I think people sometimes experience this when they become Christians. It's like all of a sudden, these things that they were addicted to, they fall away like it's miraculous. Um, for me, when I became a Christian, one of the things that happened to me, and this is a bit weird, um, is that my handwriting got better. It was like the stress and anxiety in me that had meant that, that when I sort of communicated on the page, was really like hard to read. Actually, it just improved because of God's peace coming into my life. That was a bit of a weird one. I know other people have been set free from other more significant stuff. But also, the Holy Spirit doesn't just work in those big decisive moments. The Holy Spirit also works in more gradual ways where it's like he's just unwrapping us gently by his kindness, by his spirit, so we can be free. And little by little, as the Holy Spirit works in our lives, we get freer and freer till eventually those good things that our brokenness stopped us experiencing, they become available to us. And to illustrate this, Seb is going to grab the sweets and eat some.
thank you. Um, I'm going to get rid of my prop, and I'll be back in a moment. And so with that illustration fresh in your mind, a question for you to discuss. Have you ever seen God work in either of those ways, whether it's instantly like the scissors or more gradually like the unwrapping of the killing film? Please discuss. I believe that this Pentecost, God wants to do a particular work of unwrapping and unfolding in us as a church. And I think he's putting his finger on this area of despair or hopelessness. In verse two of our scripture, what we hear is that God appears um, firstly through the sound of this rushing wind and uh, that that sound of a wind and then God appearing picks up an, a couple of echoes from the Old Testament. The first is of the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings, and he's on the run from an evil queen. He represents the, uh, he, he represents the remnant of the Jewish faith. He's like the one faithful prophet left as the nation has turned to false gods. And Jezebel wants to hunt him down. Picture the end of The Last Jedi where the rebel forces are pinned in a cave and the Empire is descending on them, or the First Order, I should say. Um, I'll be rebuked by Craig for not getting my Star Wars references right. And um, they're pinned in this cave and the th there's this threat that the rebellion is going to be snuffed out. And that's where Elijah finds himself and he feels hopeless. Despair enters in. And then it says that the sound of a wind, a rushing mighty wind, passes the entrance of the cave and then God speaks. The second echo that we find is in Ezekiel 37, where Ezekiel, another prophet, he gets a, a vision of a valley of dried bones, uh, skeletons basically. And these skeletons represent the people of God. And it specifically says that those uh, skeletons represent the people of God feeling hopeless. Our hope has failed us. And God says to Ezekiel, prophesy. And as he prophesies, as he speaks God's words, the breath comes into these dry bones and they start to live again. And both of these echoes that are being referenced in this Pentecost moment, the wind comes God speaks and hope is restored. Despair happens and occurs in our lives in, in different ways. Despair basically means hopelessness. And whether that's the, the traumatic hopelessness of feeling close to um, just like wanting life to end, or whether it's uh, a more nuanced hopelessness that seems to affect one area of our lives, I, I think that most of us have moments when we feel something like despair. Uh, for me, um, one of the areas in my life where I, have, I had given up hope was in the area of anger. My, my granddad was a great godly man, but also a man who struggled with anger. 
My dad is a fantastic man. I've never doubted whether or not I've been loved. Uh, a great bloke, but also struggled with anger. And then I see that same anger in myself. And there are times still in my life when I get angry and I hear myself shouting at my kids or losing my temper with my wife. And uh, lockdown has been no exception to those moments of real frustration and with members of my family and, and frustration with those people who are closest to me. And me and Sophie have been doing the marriage course. And as, we've done, as we were doing the session on forgiveness, I was asking her forgiveness for those moments of anger. I'm, a, I'm aware of it as an issue in my life. And I just, I'm, I just don't want it to be there. And I, I feel like I have a really heightened sensitivity for those moments of um of what could feel like rage in my life. And I was so blessed when Sophie said to me, but you know what, Greg, you are so much gentler and kinder than the man I married. The Holy Spirit has been at work in you. You see, and that's the most amazing thing. It's amazing to hear that from your wife. It's amazing to, to know that there has been progress and breakthrough. But I can tell you, it wasn't because I tried to stop being angry. Have you ever tried to not be angry when you've been angry? It just doesn't work, does it? All that happens is you, you push the fury down and it either come out in huge knots in your back where you're feeling stressed or it just comes out in a, um, another inappropriate place or in another way on someone else. You can't just push it down and pretend it's not there. It will come out. It needs to be dealt with there in, a, in a bigger way. And so it's been amazing to hear that from my wife and to know that God through his Holy Spirit, has been unwrapping me in that way. And so I no longer feel despairing about that brokenness of anger in my life, but he has breathed hope into that. I wonder as you listen to this today, is there any area of your life where you have given up hope, where you've ceased believing there can be change or growth? Just take a moment, it's not a discussion question, but let's just take a moment to come before God and ask him, what are those areas where we've, we've slipped into a, a quiet despair? One of the problems with despair is that it makes us more introspective and we start to think about what's my capacity how able am I to break free of this area of despair this area of hopelessness and of course that's exactly what the enemy wants he wants us to put our eyes on ourselves on our own capacities on our own abilities and to take them off Jesus the one who can defeat even death the one who can bring hope out of the most hopeless situation I encourage you that today we have an opportunity to welcome the Holy Spirit into those pockets of despair. I wonder, can you imagine what your life would be like if you had hope in every arena? Can you imagine the contagious power of that hope in one pocket of your life flowing into the whole of who you are? Can you imagine the effect of that hope on the people around you, those who aren't following Jesus. Can you imagine the effect of that hope in a town where so often the mantra is one of nothing ever changes around here. I will always be like that. 
Can you imagine the power to shift the culture simply by us being a church of people who are hopeful, who never give in to despair, but always believe that God has better, that he has more than simple despair and, and, and plain old resignation that this will be it. So the way in which I'm going to invite you to stand and step into this is by adopting the position. I encourage you to shut your eyes, hold out your hands. And Holy Spirit, we simply ask that you would give us a picture of our lives filled with that hope. You'd show us what our lives are like when that despair is totally diminished, non-existent in us. And as you get that picture, Holy Spirit, we ask for your specific words of truth that speak to our unique hearts. Holy Spirit, come. And where you are, I encourage you to breathe him in. Take those deep breaths as the air fills your lungs to feel, to picture his spirit entering every part of who you are. And would your voice that restores hope, Lord, follow those deep breaths? Inspire us today, we pray, Lord. Amen.